0: Cool. Well, um, hello again. For those of you who uh, haven't met me yet, um, my name is Ralph, as it is for those of you who have. And um, I, uh, I have the pleasure of being on staff here at Vine Life. I've been working here since. Well, I did an internship in two thousand and eight, um, and been stay have stayed ever since. So I, uh, I do lots of things. You might see me running around on a Sunday morning, kind of quite a practical role on a Sunday's. But um, outside of that. Ahead of all the stuff we do with our um, student work. So, both in terms of what we do with students here in Manchester, and also we have a really exciting ministry called Campus Awakening, um, which is something that we've birthed here in this church which we do in Manchester, but also kind of um, sort of doing around the country. We've got a few new cities starting in September, which is super exciting. So um, I get to do that um, Monday to Friday, spend a lot of time investing in students and just getting excited about seeing them know who they are and and be ambassadors on campus in every sphere of society. And it's just a lot of fun. So um, pray for me in doing that because it's it's quite a lot of work and and feels like really important and God's doing some crazy good stuff. So I would love it if you'd be praying for us as we go after all of that. Um, just have interest. Uh, it doesn't matter. We'll leave that. Um, OK, so I want to I want to talk to you today about um, being awake um, and also the sort of flip side of that and being asleep, which, um, as many of you know, I do not struggle with being asleep, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to being in church. I have a bit of a, a penchant uh, for maybe meditating on the word in a slightly more literal sense than it has been suggested. In fact, Mr. James Torrey once caught me in the act of this. And uh, if you look to the screens, you'll always to see one of my finest performances. Acts 19, um, a few
1: verses. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul
0: took the road from the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples in the afternoon. Did you that's, see the, that's Spirit, the one right there the <laughs> this is a reach week and away uh, a, a no, few years ago we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit so Paul said well what baptism did you receive there and they says we, 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 we took me we had John's baptism that, um, Paul, that you know, is that, Santino, that, Santino speaking right, as well that was a baptism of repentance he told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus so on hearing this they were baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus when Paul placed his hands on them they spoke in tongues, or footnote, or in other languages. And they prophesied there are about twelve men in all. I think I'm about to wake all up. Day, For the recording there's raucous laughter throughout the room. There we go. Um yeah, that was actually Santino speaking, who is um, coming to be our associate leader in September, but that is no reflection on his um, preaching. He's amazing. Actually, that was one of the best weekends i we ever had. So, um. And also, apologies publicly to anyone in this room whose talks or life I have slept in front of. Um, I do apologize. In my defense, um, firstly, I get up early on a Sunday, so I'm pretty tired. Secondly, I am no um, sort of chooser of persons. My sleeping is, is indiscriminate. Um, so, in fact, I even the first time I went to Bethel, I stood right at the front during worship and managed to fall asleep standing up. So, I'm pretty good at it. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's not that kind of sleep I want to talk about. It's spiritual sleep, obviously. Um, So um, before we dive into that, why don't we just pray? Um, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're doing amazing things. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've always got good things for us. Lord, and I pray that you would anoint my words this morning. God, that they would be from your heart and they would speak to what you want to do in this room. Lord, that anything that is not of you would just fall away and just have no impact. And God, I just pray that um as a community today, we would walk out of this building feeling more awake, more alive to you in Jesus name, I pray. amen amen, awesome so sleep it's um it's an interesting concept in the Bible. there's lots of different ways it shows up it's kind of in the negative aspects, from thinking about like death or um kind of laziness to um also more positive things like a reward or um, restfulness or um, kind of a place where we can encounter God in dreams and and things like that. And um, and quite often, I think probably the first thing that would jump out to us when we thought about sleep as a concept in the Bible would, would be probably around this whole idea of of death and it being almost like a way of understanding death a little bit more because when we think about um, that as something where you're asleep, it sort of speaks to the fact that actually there's a waking up coming, there's, there's something more real, there's an eternity beyond now, which is actually, is actually greater than what we, what we can imagine. Um, in the sense that actually um, something like death is, is a transition. You know, it's a transition into something new, and actually, even in some cases, a transition that can be reversed. You know, you think about um, Jairus' daughter, you know, the, the little girl that Jesus was praying for, and they're like, Jesus, come quick, come quick, she's dead. And he gets up, no, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. In fact, she's waking up, and then, you know, she comes back to life. And that's really helpful for us because it gives us a paradigm to understand that. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about uh, how it's, you know, it's kind of like the um, school term is over and the holidays have begun. Or, you know, people talk about passing into a different room or all those kind of things. And that sense of sleep is really helpful because it, it, yeah, it just gives us a way of understanding it. And um, the amazing thing about the gospel um, in that context is that as we wake up to Jesus as we become aware of who he is, and it's like, oh yes, he is the son of God. Oh yes, he did die for me. He did um, go on a cross for my sins and then was risen again. Like Because of that, because of all that understanding, that waking up to that, we become um, able to know God and have relationship with him. And actually the Bible talks about how we in ourselves, in our spirits, pass from death into life. And so it's now that... Um, we're citizens of a new kingdom and something different has changed. And so that whole idea of, of waking up is amazing for us because it's like, oh yes, that means that actually death isn't the end. That because of Jesus, when I wake up, I'm going to spend eternity with him. And so that picture is really, really helpful. Um, and, and just to say as well, if that isn't something that you've heard of before, if no one has ever told you that Jesus Jesus was a guy that he is he is the Son of God, he he showed us what um, God looks like, he um, the way he taught, the way he spoke, he made a way for us to know God again and bring that relationship back. And if if you've never had that awakening, if you've n- never had anyone explain that to you, then um, please don't leave this morning without having that conversation we'll have a prayer team that you can go chat to maybe you came with a friend and, and just don't kind of walk away and think that stuff you mentioned about jesus that sounded really weird i'd never heard that before and um, make sure you chat to someone about that before you disappear but um i uh, i wanted to talk a little bit differently about sleep in the sense of it not being about passing from death into life but actually being about the absence of awareness so it's this idea of sleep as the absence of awareness, and um, if you think back to that video, so uh, I didn't hear anything that Sam was saying at that moment, not because I wasn't there, but just because I wasn't, I wasn't engaged. You know? I wasn't awake. You know, I was, I was alive. I was breathing, but I was just taking up space. There was no like I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate what was being said, and. Um, I think there's a danger for us in the church, in our relationship with God, just in life, that actually we can slot ourselves into a similar state, you know, a similar state of actually just existing, of of being something that is there and taking up space, but actually isn't really aware, the state of being present, but not aware. And it's that sense of awareness that I really want to kind of chip away at this morning and hopefully kind of stir some stuff in you. Um, so in in 1 Samuel 3, it's a very famous passage that um, the, the guy, Samuel, who uh, is the great prophet who will be one of the, um, so kind of the leader of Israel for many years, but as he's a little boy, he is uh, in the temple with Eli, and um, it's a very famous story, I'm sure you've heard it. My mum always used to do it with one of those booming microphones you get from the 50p shop you know samuel samuel um kind of samuel his audible voice of the lord when he's asleep and uh gets up and is like what's going on goes um goes and sees eli his um the guy over him in the temple and is like what's going on this i heard this voice and uh, was it was it you and he's like no go back to bed and this happens a couple of times and then basically he's like oh god's speaking to you like you need to you need to do something about that like if if you hear the voice again you need to say yes and um, yes god your servant is listening speak to me and um, so it's, you know, very famous encounter. And it's kind of cool because Samuel's asleep and then he gets woken up and, and hears God's voice. But um, for me, the interesting thing is um, when you compare verse one to verse seven. So I think they're going to come up here. So verse one, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So Samuel was every day in the temple. He was before the Lord. He was in God's presence. But verse seven. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord the word of the lord had not yet been revealed to him i found that really interesting that samuel can be in god's presence but not know god and i think how often do we just lazily use those sorts of terms be like oh but maybe find ourselves in a similar place like actually really good at being in god's presence obviously because he's everywhere <laughs> but even in the sense of like stuff like church and live in a Christian life and all those kinds of things that you, you know, life before the Lord, what that might look like. But actually, it's possible that like Samuel, we, we could be in a place where we don't yet know the Lord. Or maybe don't yet know him as well as we could. And it's that sense of being present before him, but not being fully aware And so in order for, obviously, that to change for Samuel, he had to wake up, hear the voice and respond to it. Um, And it's similar for us, like, uh, we have to respond, we have to become aware. And I guess the difficult thing at our end is we're probably, Samuel had an excuse you know, um, it, said, it says in verse 2, I think, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't live within Samuel. He, You know, the Holy Spirit was there at specific times, specific people, specific places. Um, and God didn't speak very often. There wasn't that connection that actually we have now, that through Jesus, every single one of us can commune with God at all times. The Holy Spirit lives within us. Like for us, it's the, you know, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be people who know the Lord. Yet yeah, I wonder how often sometimes we were all like we're in God's presence, we're around Him, but we're not really tuned in. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, um, well, hopefully not being like judgmental. I'm not trying to create a sense of false expectation where. You know, um, this idea that, okay, if we're going to be proper Christians, that maybe every time, we, you know, every single day, we should be hearing the audible voice of the Lord. You know, we should be having crazy prophetic encounters, seeing angels. I mean, I, th- I think all that stuff would be great, and I would like to see that every single day of my life. But I'm not kind of holding that up as a yardstick, that if you're not hitting that, you're not doing Christianity right. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that, is being aware of this condition that we can be in, of just being a bit oblivious, Being like me in that video and existing there, but lolling around and not really taking anything in. Um, And I think this is probably explained a little bit better in Isaiah 29. So let's jump to there and spend a bit of time there. Um, I'm going to start in verse 10. I'm reading for the NLT. Um, I've missed out a couple of verses just because they kind of extend on what was said. But um, feel free to check it in the Bible that I'm not just doing something wrong. Um, Okay, verse 10. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read who can read, and say to him, read this, please, he will answer, I can't, it is sealed. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field? And the fertile field seem like a forest. In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll. And out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. When they see among their children the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. So, um, yeah, hopefully this helps. So if you just flip it back to the previous one, um, so verse 10, so it talks there about um, the Israelites are in a state of sleep, a state of deep sleep is what it says. Um, interestingly, it's actually a sleep that has been brought across by God, which is interesting and probably some thoughts for another day. Um, but the kind of point I want to make here is that um, this deep sleep is actually stopping the Israelites from functioning in their God-appointed office. So the thing that God has um, tasked some of them to do, they can't do. Because so it says there about the prophets, I've sealed your eyes so you can't see anything. The sea is, I've covered your heads again, so you can't see anything. There's some, like, this sense of sleep is stopping them doing what actually they've been anointed and um, commissioned by God to do. Um, And I guess the effect then, well, what is the effect? So in verse 11, it says, "Um, For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. Um, Now, when it says vision, it's referencing there the previous nine verses, which we didn't read out. Um, And the vision it's talking about is actually this great triumph of the Lord. So it's basically God um, showing them this amazing thing that he's doing, like his victory that he's won. So when it says vision, he's talking about God's victory, God's triumph. Um, And we can't, basically he's saying, "This, this thing that I've done, this great victory, this triumph of mine, is like nothing but worlds in a scroll for you. Because of your sleep. And more than that, it's words, that, words in the scroll that are inaccessible. And, it's, and there's two reasons why it's inaccessible. Firstly, he's talking about how um, some people can't read about this victory because they just don't understand it. They don't have the language. They don't have the tools to be able to, to read the words. So they, they've got no idea what God's done. And the second lot of people, actually, they, they are able to read they can read the scroll, but the scroll is sealed. So even like they can't, they can't even get at it. And it's like it made me think how I wonder how accurately this describes a situation for us today. You know, in the sense that um, some people don't know about what God's done because they don't know the language. They, they don't know where to start, and others. We know what we like, we would be able to read it, but there's just some sort of block, some sort of, some sort of inability to open things up. And, and it's kind of like some people have no spirit in them to lead them into truth. You know, the, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit allows us to read scripture and understand it. Some people just don't have that. So how on earth are they going to be able to read about God's victory and understand what he's done? And others are unable to access it because of this state of sleep that they're in. Linking that back into verse 10, you know, because of the sleep, people are unable to function in their roles as ministers. Therefore, they're unable to interpret the mysteries of God, both for themselves and for the other people that they need to interpret it for who couldn't understand. So I, I think that's an important warning for us. Like, actually, it's. You know, there's stuff on us that we need to be able to hear God and know God, be aware of him, hear what he's saying, celebrate his victories, understand it, because there's people out there who need us to understand for them. I think verse 13 hits it really hard on the head. It's great. This this is basically what I'm trying to get at when I talk about this concept of being asleep. So verse 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. And like, this is, this is the key really. Like, this sense of, it's really easy to honor God with our mouths. It's really easy to talk a good game, to sing the right songs, to say the right things, to know the right answers to all the questions. But how often is our relationship with God just limited to what's on our lips? And actually isn't about a heart-to-heart connection. And I'm not talking about your salvation. And I'm not talking about that fundamental connection. That irreversible membership of yours in God's family. Which is absolutely irrevocable. I'm talking about that day-to-day walking with him. How often have we just reduced it to lip service? When actually God's after our hearts. You know, how often have we actually reduced our worship to rules taught by men? And actually, like, I'm a little embarrassed when I think about how, how often that could probably accurately describe what I'm doing. You know, that I'm relying more on um, knowing the right words or I'm relying more on living through someone else. Like living vicariously through my favorite preacher or through worship leaders or through someone else who's anointed and bringing me something. Like, how often that is the case that I'm not actually connected heart to heart with God myself. And, um, and that sense of that one in particular, you know, their worship of me is made up of rules only taught by men. That's a really interesting verse for me because if you contrast that to all the prophecies about the new covenant and what life looks like for us now after Jesus, you know, it talks about how God's going to um, no longer give us laws on stone, but write his laws on our hearts. No longer are, gonna, are we going to need to talk about God by our brother, but we can know him for ourselves. So actually, if we're, if we're in that state that verse 13 talks about, you know, that sleepy state of just paying lip service and living through other people, actually, we're sort of saying, like, we're not entering into the new covenant. But there's good news. Verse 14 is the turning point. Um, you know, it says, Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligent, of the intelligent will vanish. Did it? Lebanon. All this stuff. Um, basically, there's such amazing grace to us that even in a state of complete narcosis, God can still break through. Can still come and say, "Hey, wake up! I want to talk to you. I want to know you." You know, He will astound us with wonder upon wonder. Gloom and darkness will be replaced by light. It says, "Wisdom and understanding that is truer and deeper than the wisdom and understanding we see around us will be available." Like all this stuff. Like. And ultimately, as it says in verse twenty three like, ultimately, the destiny of Jesus is irrepressible; it can 't be stopped. you know they will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob, and they will and will stand in awe of the God of israel like, and that 's good news, so it 's like wherever we are, however like asleep we might feel, like God is there, there is grace for you, there is a victory, there is a um, A beautiful heart-to-heart relationship that that God wants to have with you and will have with you. I guess um, I'm not trying to say, look, you need to change, otherwise God's going to be mad at you. I guess what what I want you to say is that it, it is possible, and I want you to be aware that it is possible, to drift along consuming a religion taught to you by a person, devoid of any actual relationship with Jesus. It is possible to do that, and it's possible to do that for many years. And it's possible for you to be in sleep, to be in, in church and to be asleep with your eyes open. I just I'm not trying to condemn anyone, I'm just trying to offer that humbly as a state that we can be in so that we can become aware of it, so that then we can change. So then we can become more alive. And thankfully, like there's like I was saying, there's nothing that is beyond our amazing Jesus' reach. Like there's no place that we could be in that isn't isn't beyond him. And um Yeah, so that's a possibility. That's where we could be. I hope we're not, but we could be. But um, the reason why we don't want to be there is what I want to talk about now. I want to um, talk a little bit about how amazing it is when we wake up. What it looks like when us, the people of God, are awake. And I want to look at three things. I want to look at how being awake is devotional. So it affects how we worship. I want to think about how being awake is missional. Missional. So how we're active in the world around us, and thirdly, I want to talk about how being awake is prophetic. How it's all about speaking God's truth to the world around us. And um, so, firstly, devotional. Um, there's this pretty cool story in Luke nine, um, which I'm sure most of you will be familiar with, um, the Transfiguration. It's a it's a cool story. It's a quite confusing story. I've heard. I don't really know the absolute point of it, but. Um, there are lots of points to it, but it's, it's kind of very mysterious, which is great. I love, I love this, that stuff in the Bible. God speaks to me loads through it because this is just, yeah, it's great. Anyway, um, for those of you who don't know, Jesus um, takes uh, Peter, James, and John, um, his three kind of best friends, and he takes them up the mountain one day, and they, they go up the mountain, and they just have this amazing experience, basically, where, um, among other things, they see Moses and Elijah, which is weird because they're dead and very old, and obviously they're they're appearing out of heaven, and what's going on there? Um, and also, they see Jesus. Like the reason why it's called the Transfiguration is because Jesus changes; that his whole countenance changes to actually, literally emanate the very essence and glory and brightness and luminosity and amazingness of God. Like there's this incredible shining that happens. Um, and Peter's like, "Cool, let's." Build some tents. Um, great. <laughs> don't know what that means. But anyway, the the thing that's important is um, from the, us today. Anyway, is in verse thirty-two. It says this again. I find this very interesting. Luke nine th- verse thirty-two. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake. They saw jesus glory, so for whatever reason, like these guys were on this like pretty cool, exciting adventure, they'd left the other nine behind because they're the best three, um, but still, they were like kind of asleep I, I I don't get it. I checked all the different translations, and they all say exactly the same, like basically, they're in this state of sleep, and it's when they come out of it that they're able to see Jesus in his glory. It doesn't tell you how that happens or anything. That's literally all the detail we've got. But there's this sense of they were asleep, then they came out of their drowsiness, and then they saw the glory of God. And it's, it's, for me, it's like, the message is pretty simple. It's like actually being awake allows us to recognize the glory of Jesus. So, therefore, being awake positions us to worship you know and the and the glory of Jesus is so remarkable it 's so outstanding that when we when we see it when we become aware of it, we can 't help but worship we can 't help but just like honor him, like give him the praise that he's due. And, and, I, and I wonder if, you know, if we actually bring that back into our realities and, and you know, actually quite often it is hard to worship and there's often you know, lots of really good reasons for that. You know, worship can be a sacrifice and all sorts of stuff going on. But, you know, there's times when you're just like, mm, mm, mm. like, I wonder if maybe actually we're just not awake. And it's in, it's, it's in waking up It's in getting rid of that drowsiness that we see this amazing brightness. And it's like, oh, wow. In Habakkuk 2.14, it's a really cool verse. It talks about, it's a prophecy about um, the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the oceans cover the sea. But notice, it's the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's the awareness of it. And I love it because both of these things, they talk about how, you know, Jesus, his glory, his God's goodness, like all these amazing things, they, they're not here one day and gone another. They're, they're always there. The thing that's changing is our awareness of it. It's the knowledge of the glory of the Lord that will cover the earth as the oceans cover the sea. The glory of the Lord's already come. It's just sometimes our bit, our recognition of it that's more in question. You know, there's an encounter waiting for us with God's brilliance. Maybe we just need to wake up to it. So if, if devotion to Jesus, if worship is something that you want to position your life towards and you're actually like, that's a real value of mine, then being awake is going to really, really help you in that. So the second thing, um, being awake is being missional. Um, this kind of link pulls back a little bit on what I was saying at the start, a little bit muddledly. I apologise um, about how um, you know waking up to Jesus is you know about you know kind of salvation and that sense of um, yeah kind of becoming awake to the spiritual reality around us. And the reason why that's missional is because the salvation that we experience isn't just for us. The fact that you know, God, the fact that he has brought you into this new kingdom of light, he's brought you into his family, is amazing, but it's not just for you. There's a commission on you to um, to go into the nations, baptizing people, telling them about Jesus to the ends of the earth. That's the commission that's on our life. Um, there is, you know, we talk about this a lot when we talk about this old idea of us being sons and daughters and the fact that actually that's such a missional thing because the world is groaning, it says in Romans 8. You know, the world, creation groans for the revelation of the sons and daughters of Jesus. You know, there's something in the world that needs us to show up to to kind of release something to him and um, it's... And, Kind of, I don't know if you've seen The Matrix, and I don't want to be that guy who uses The Matrix in a talk, but um, I am. And so you know that sense of there's those fields of human pods that are feeding this system that they're unaware of. And there's, suddenly there's some, some kind of unplugging um, that needs to happen so that people become aware of this truer, higher reality. And that's exactly the same for us. There is, there's so many people that are just plugged into a system and completely unaware. But it's people like us who are awake, the sons and daughters who know who they are, who creation is groaning to see, that need to be active in that process for those people to help pull those plugs out the back of their heads. So for us to be awake is, is missional because it's, a, it's allowing us to bring others into that same state of wakeness. Um, Isaiah 52 Encapsulates this really nicely, I think. So um, if we start at verse 1, it says, Awake, awake. Put, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you, the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. So the prophet's saying, wake up, Zion. Get up. It's great news. Wake up. Verse 3, for thus says the Lord, you are sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. Wake up because redemption is here. Your salvation is here. It's come. It's here. But you know what? It's not just for you. So jump down to verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news and publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness and publishes salvation. I love that. i would never noticed that it said the word publish before. I always thought it said bring, but I love that sense of publish, you know, mass produce it, send it out, put it in a way that thousands and thousands of people can see. I found that really nice. Um, but yeah, how beautiful on the mountains. Those who publish salvation who say to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of the watchman, they lift up their voice, together they sing. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places, Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The salvation that Jesus has brought is for everyone, he's, he's bared his arm to all the nations. To the ends of the earth, they'll see the salvation of their God. I love that. And it's salvation that begins with God's people waking up and recognizing our part in that. That it's not just about a chair to be sat on on a Sunday. It's actually about being part of this amazing destiny that God has for the world. That's what being awake looks like. Third thing. um, To be awake is prophetic. Prophetic. And um, what I mean by this, when I say prophetic, I mean in the sense that um, we are, with our lives, the way we live, um, we're presenting to the world an alternative reality of what life looks like. So just like uh, how the Old Testament prophets, um, their kind of role was to speak truth to power, you know to to speak to the the systems and the governments and the religious like things of the day and speak truth to them god's truth like um likewise that's what we're supposed to do with our lives and actually um we're upsetting the balance of society through the kind of people that we're becoming if you read the sermon on the mount it's not a list of do's and don'ts it's a it's a picture of what kind of person Jesus is asking us to be the kind of person who's so um, so anti their sin that they wouldn't just, um, you know, stop doing it. They wouldn't just kind of, they would literally cut their hand off. They'd guide their eye out. You know, the kind of people that um, wouldn't even, you know, wouldn't even just think about how not to um, commit adultery, but actually wouldn't even think about it. Those kind of people. And actually when we do it, we're, um, those kind of people are presenting an alternative reality. That's, that's the sense of prophetic that I'm talking about. Um, let me kind of explain a little bit further. So there's two very similar New Testament passages that, that show us a bit more about what life aware of Jesus looks like. So the first one, Ephesians 5, starting at verse 8, it says, For at one time you were darkness, um, in darkness, um, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, and dressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So see there the link, Awake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. There's a a life that I've called you to and it looks like this purity. It looks like being filled with the spirit. It looks like singing to each other, encouraging each other, all all these amazing things. Um, Similarly, Romans 13. This is a little bit shorter. Um, Verse 11. Besides this, you know the time. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Revelation, our awareness of Jesus' glory, moves us into a new place, a new kingdom. Um, it's one that was already there, but actually now we are fully partaking in. And it's one where we move from death, which in these verses you know is characterized by darkness, that sense of being asleep, and it's one where we move into life. So characterized by light, being awake. And the fruit of this change, the fruit of this life we now live that is awake is many things. But one that seems particularly prevalent in these two passages is holiness. That that is a big deal. That for people who are truly awake, holiness is a big deal. Now this is um, hopefully kind of, you guys know that this isn't about earning something. The, the holiness, the purity that you have is a complete and utter free gift, the grace of Jesus. But it's, it's not so much getting to somewhere, it's, it's more like maintaining it. There's that quote that Sarah uses a lot from Richard Lovelace, I think. I didn't look it up, but it talks about how every Christian should be aware that each day they start at the top rung of the ladder. You know, they're not, you're not trying to make it back up and if you have a bad few days, you fall further down. And It's, it's not about trying to earn your standing with God. It, it's a sense that Jesus has purified you, he's made you clean, he's made you righteous, but he's also empowered you and left you free and given you choices with what you do with that. And that for people who are awake, Pursuing holiness is really important. It's not just something that boring Christians do. It's something that awake Christians do. Those awake Christians who know how to worship and know how to be part of God's mission. And we see it in a rejection of all, like, all those things that Paul talks about as, as being part of darkness. You know, All the stuff like drunkenness, debauchery, sexual immorality, arguments, jealousy, quarreling. All those kind of things. God's serious about them. You know, what does it say in, in Ephesians? He's like, um, take no part in them, for it's shameful even to speak of things that are done in secret. And, and actually, there's, there's probably a standard there that we can hold ourselves to a bit better. You know, our awake lives are supposed to be a reflection of Jesus. Isaiah 60 talks about, it says, arise, get up, because your light has come. Jesus has come, so get up, because that light needs to reflect off you and influence the world around you. It's not about being perfect, because you never will be. That's okay. God doesn't need you to be perfect. It's about cherishing what he cherishes, loving what he loves, honoring what he honors. It's about being aware that the pursuit of purity is an essential posture for a disciple of Jesus. And um, coming back to the prophetic thing, I could have just called this section purity, but I wanted to call it prophetic and I did that on purpose. Because it's the sense that this idea of holiness, the sense of purity, it's not about behavior control. God's not interested in giving you rules and regulations. We, we tried that in the first covenant. We weren't very good at it. It's not about controlling you which is so often the criticism of Christianity, right? It's just, you know, it's just a crutch. It's just a means of control, all that kind of stuff. It's not about that. Actually, I think this kind of thing, it's, it's sedition. You know, to a world established in powers and principalities that, that we, maybe we don't understand the stuff of darkness, the stuff that um, isn't of God's heart, actually for us to live awake To live in light, to reflect Jesus aggressively undermines those systems. They aggressively undermine the imperfect world that we so often find ourselves in. And actually one of the greatest contributions we can make to the coming of the kingdom of God is to live aware of the holiness that God won for us and set our lives on a course seeking to honour it. So like when we're awake, we're awake to the value of living pure. And lives of of purity prophesy to the world around us the truth, the reality of the kingdom of heaven. They tell a different story of what life could look like. So when you make those choices, like Paul's talking about in these two letters, when you pursue those things, even against the grain of culture, Actually, you're presenting an alternative reality to people that is way more powerful than you realize. I saw a quote on Twitter this week um, by a guy who I've never heard of before, but he seems like a big deal in America, Ray Ortland. Um, But it it was just a short phrase that really hit me. It said, um, obedient holiness is overtaking insider power. And it's that sense of how often as Christians we fall into that trap of, oh, if we can just get a Christian somewhere, if we can just get a famous footballer to become a Christian or a politician or a celebrity, if we can just get someone on the inside of this worldly system to become a Christian, they can change it all for us. But actually there's this sense of as a collective, what's way more powerful is us waking up, living lives of abiding in Holiness aggressively undermining the systems that aren't of God's heart and showing an alternative reality. That's, that's powerful. And it's something that I'd really like to be a part of. So um, that's kind of all I wanted to say. But um, just to wrap this all up in a nice conclusion. Um, first thing, It's a real and present danger that we can live our Christian lives asleep. Second thing, that means we can be completely present before God, but completely unaware of him. Thirdly, this is dangerous because it stops us from hearing his voice and it stops us from explaining that voice to those who can't understand it. Fourthly, The things that characterize an awake life are genuine worship, active mission, and obedient holiness. These things reflect the glory of Jesus and prophesy to the culture around us the reality of the kingdom of heaven. That's why it's important that we're awake. Why don't you stand up? I'm going to pray for you. Your Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in this place. God, thank you that we are in such a privileged position. God, that that there is nothing that separates us. There's no height, no depth, no power, no principality that can keep us from your love. And I just pray that every single one of us right now would just, um, just be overwhelmed by your goodness. that we'd understand afresh what it means to be your sons and daughters. Would you just speak directly to our hearts? God, thank you that you live in us, God. You're making a dwelling place amongst us and that is just incredible. Lord, and would we be people that always recognize the reality of that? that stand on the truth of that, Lord, even if we don't feel it. God, that our proximity to you wouldn't be based on external factors, God, but would be based on the truth that you came and you died for us and that there's nothing that can separate us from you. And Lord, I pray that as a family, God, we would be awake. We would be aware of you. We would be tuned in. God, we'd hear your voice we'd understand it we'd follow it God we'd be people who can't help but just to abandon ourselves in praise of this awesome God that we follow that we love Father help us to to show up more in the places that you've called us help us to be those people who publish salvation who bring good news God wake us up to those areas that you want us to do that Just switch us on, wherever that is. Lord, and would you um, just graciously walk with us as we bring our lives before you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're so kind, you're so good, and it is your kindness that leads us to change. And Father, would you just gently just show us those areas that we need to change. God, show us those things in our lives that actually are inconsistent with our identity that are inconsistent with the lives of sons and daughters of the king and father would we be people who prize purity so highly but God because you did and just father would you empower us to live lives that prophesy the reality of heaven to the world around us And God, would you help us to um, be such great encouragement to each other? Father, would we foster a community of of wake-up calls? Lord, where we're really spurring each other on and helping each other to stay tuned in to the things of heaven. And God, would you show us where we're not doing that so well and give us the grace to do it better? Yeah, in your name we pray. Amen. Um, I believe there will be a prayer team it um, is a week five so it might, there might not be <laughs> if you would like to be on that prayer team you're probably very welcome um, but if that is you if you want to head over here that would be great um, there's just a couple of things in particular that I feel like um, hopefully there will be loads of things that God's doing and I kind of I think I have spoken quite generally and um, hopefully the Holy Spirit just talking to people about lots of different things and for anything please come and get prayer but in particular there is there two two um, areas that I thought people might want to respond to in particular. Um, the first one was a sense of feel like feeling desensitized. That um, actually kind of it's all, all this stuff I'm talking about. You're like, I really I want that. Like, there's nothing about that that I don't want. But I just that sense of you know feeling desensitized and, and uh, just kind of feeling numb towards God and um, that kind of thing. I feel like there's real breakthrough this morning firstly to say that actually that doesn't disqualify anything and what I was praying before like nothing about your external experience or even your internal experience changes the truth of what God has said and if he said that he's with you he's with you but um just if you feel like actually you know what you feel like you know I I knew God in a certain way and I feel like I've just become a bit desensitized to him and then I believe there's real breakthrough for that and like get someone to like come over and get some prayer. And the second thing was, in particular those those areas of purity, like I didn't really go into them specifically, but actually if there's stuff that you know God's putting his finger on, you're like, actually this this isn't part of who you are. This isn't this isn't what you look like. Um just come and stand with someone, just bring that into the light, get them to stand with you and bless you and just know that um yeah, we love you and we're standing with you and just take some ownership of that and be like, Hey God, I just want freedom from this. So, um but obviously, please come and get some prayer.
1: Thanks, Ralph. Thank you. That was great. Um, I, just, I just felt one thing, really, at the end there. And I just felt, for some of you that might, um, like, I know what Ralph was talking about. He isn't talking about it in a heavy way. He isn't talking about it in a serious, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to try this. But I really felt like God was saying, "You are there's some people out here who need to hear that you are stronger than you think you are and that you're more uh, more powerful than you can imagine and I know that is a quote that sometimes it gets uh, banded around I think it might have been an, an Apple quote uh, at some point but you are stronger than you think you are and you're more powerful than you can imagine and I also really felt um, like in terms of talking about this that sometimes for some people here there might be that connotation of sleep being a real negative thing like, it might be a real place um, that you struggle. And the stuff that Raz talked about, go and get prayer for that. But also, if there's people who are struggling with their sleep, if there are people who are, are struggling um, just with anxiety or panic attacks or anything like that that's related to sleep, um, yeah, just go and get prayer for that. And God wants you to have complete freedom um, and complete wholeness. And also about dreams as well. I think, like, God really uses us uh, 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 asleep sleep too. So, um yeah, so if you're struggling with sleep um, or there's something to do with sleep that you feel like like there's a negative thing in relation to that, go and get a prayer for that too. Um, so that's it for us today. Um, go, grab a prophetic slot. If you want a prophetic slot, go a tea and coffee. Um, come and meet us at the Welcome area. It would be great to see you. Um, on a practical note, if you feel like helping just to get...